Support for Food Friday Leftovers comes from Berkshire Co-op Market, Great Barrington, Massachusetts, a community-owned natural grocery store dedicated to sustainable agriculture, the local economy, and the environment. Working within the community to better Berkshire County, one basket at a time. Berkshire.coop. Welcome to Food Friday Leftovers, a podcast about all the goodies left over from Food Friday. I'm Dave Hopper. And I'm Ashley Kinsey. Tune in each week as we cover culinary topics such as food trucks, local food, pizza, veggies, beer, and wine. You hungry yet? Huh, I'm always hungry. Well, on that note, Ashley, tell us what's in the fridge this week. This week, we've got marshmallows in the fridge. We are talking with Bruce Weinstein again. Thank you for joining us. We've been on a few episodes. Be sure to check those out at wamcpodcast.org. And my first question in the episode of Debunking Myths Part Mm -hmm. 2 has to do with avocado hand and cutting avocados. So there's this phenomena that I've learned about on the Internet and it's nonsense. Oh, on the internet. <laughs> on the internet's real. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just, I burst out laughing. People are getting avocado hand. They're trying to cut the avocado mm-hmm. in their hand mm-hmm. and they're cutting themselves. And nice. aside, somebody decided to write an article and say, well, they're cutting the avocado the wrong way. Instead of cutting it vertically, you should be cutting it horizontally and the pit just falls out. Okay, the pit's never just going to fall out. So (laughs) even if you cut it horizontally, and horizontally versus vertically, you mean cut it through the equator. Through the equator versus the way we would... The long way. Mm -hmm. I cut it the long way. um, And the reason I think most people do is because when you cut it the long way and you separate it, you have two avocado halves that can sit on their own and sort of make little boats, and then you've got, if you're not going to mush them all up and make guacamole, you've got a little hole that you could put an egg in and Mm -hmm. bake it, or you could fill it with shrimp salad or chicken salad and serve it that way. So if you cut it through the equator, one end is not going to stand. And so, and then what? Then what are you going to do with it? It's Make guac. Yeah, and (laughs) if you have really sharp knives and you know how to use them, you shouldn't cut your hand. That's what I said. Um, But you can also put the avocado on a cutting board and still cut it the long way, cutting it around. And use a smaller knife, too. You don't need to use, you know, your 12-inch chef knife (laughs) to cut an avocado. So, But it's funny. I know I've never heard of avocado hands, so I have to start looking for scars (laughs) on on left hands. Just, yeah, interesting. Crazy. When I saw it, I just laughed. First I thought, (laughs) no, maybe they're like, green because people are using their hands to smush up the guacamole that would make more sense but nice conversation starter have you heard of avocado hand (laughs) well you know my grandmother had from as early as i can remember she had a bread knife with no handle this enormous serrated bread knife with no handle and my mom tells me she had that for as long as my mom can remember oh wow and she cut bread holding this knife on the blade against her so she'd hold the loaf of bread to her chest and cut towards her and she did this for 94 years. Well, she probably started when she was 10. And she did it for 84 years. Mm-hmm. She never had, you know, bread chest. <laughs> <laughs> so if you know what you're doing, you're not going to cut yourself. And having sharp knives makes actually it a lot easier. More accidents happen with dull knives. Because if mm-hmm. you try to put a dull knife through an avocado, it's going to slip off the edge. And even a dull knife will cut you. And then you'll have avocado hands. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 
Are there any more like safety myths? Like like some people don't want sharp knives because they think they'll cut themselves or someone's children will cut themselves. You might, but you're more likely to cut yourself with a dull knife than a sharp knife. Um, and things that will dull your knives, dishwasher will dull your knives because oh. it's all that, the, the way the water hits it will dull it. Cutting on um, hard plastic or on, oh, I don't understand why people have glass cutting boards. I do understand it because they think it's sanitary because it's easy to clean them. Glass cutting boards will destroy your knife. And the sound and the feel of it, have you ever tried that? Yeah, yeah we it's have like one. styrofoam. <laughs> I, you have one? I don't. Yeah. I, uh, I have a wood. Wood and bamboo cutting boards are best for your knives, but you have to keep your knives sharp. Is it true that you can sharpen knives with a potato? <laughs> you could sharpen your knife on the, thing. on the bottom of a ceramic cup. Do you know where unglazed. I got my myths from? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of potatoes, there is that myth that if you draw, you can put a potato into a pot of overly salted soup and the soup will magically become unsalty. And that's a true myth. Because what, what, <laughs> what is it about a potato that's like just a sponge and it's just going to absorb the salt? That doesn't work that way. You unlock the powers <laughs> of the sponge potato. <laughs> yeah. when the you potato drop it will absorb soup. liquid, so it'll absorb some of the soup. So it'll absorb the amount of salt that's in the liquid that it absorbs. So what, a couple tablespoons of soup is gone. But the rest of the soup has the same percentage of salt in it. So the only way to fix that would be to add more water and make a bigger pot of soup. And then you're diluting it. Because if that really was the truth, why couldn't we just desalinate the ocean by dumping potatoes in it? <laughs> Instead, do you know how much it costs to desalinate water? It's expensive. I don't know how much it costs. It's a lot. And if potatoes worked, well. <laughs> well. <laughs> the desalination plants are humongous, too. They're, yeah. See, potatoes don't do it. <laughs> Have you ever seen the Salt Bay video online? <laughs> no, what's that? Oh, it's this guy who cuts steak and then he salts like, he puts salt in his hand and like, yeah, flicks it from his shoulder. <laughs> Does that make it taste better? That's what I was going to ask. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> it might salt look Bay. cool, I guess. I, I think it's know. one of those chef flair things that yeah. I guess doesn't do anything, but they just. Now, if he's using some, you know, Moroccan pink salt or some Sonoma smoked salt or some interesting salt, that'll make it taste better. But it really doesn't matter whether you throw it over your head, under your <laughs> legs, or across the driveway. It's just salt. All worth steak. trying. It's like the same thing where people tell you to salt from a height. Okay, now the reason that you want to do that is because you will get a better spread of the salt. If you sprinkle salt low down, you're going to get a bigger concentration in one spot. If you do it from up above and you sort of move your hands around, the salt is going to spread a little more evenly. So there is something to that. And perhaps then, if we threw it from our shoulder, we get a nice scattering, but you're probably going to miss the steak and get a lot <laughs> of it on the plate. Yeah, it was just something to look cool for the camera, I oh, think. Okay. It didn't really matter. But maybe not. <laughs> There's some science to the salt. There we bed. go. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> I have a question about beans. Uh-oh. I'm scared. <laughs> the musical fruit. Um, if you soak them, does that really limit people having gas or anything like that from beans? No. The soaking, you want to soak beans. Soaking beans is an important step of cooking beans. Um, rehydrating them allows them to cook evenly so that all your beans will be done at the same time, and it allows them to cook faster. So I know a lot of people say, oh, you don't have to soak them. No, you don't have to soak them, but you should soak them. Soaking is, if you want a better quality, you get gas because there are sugars in the beans that you can't digest. You don't have the enzymes to digest. And so those sugars reach a certain part of your 
digestive system and your natural bacteria in your system chows down and that's what happens. There are products out there. Beano is one of them. It's the enzyme you, that we don't have to digest it. You can buy those enzymes and just eat them with the beans. Hmm. But I've never heard of that. You know, un- unless it really bothers you. I mean, I eat so much rice and beans that I'm just probably immune to anything to do with rice or beans. <laughs> You've dissolved it. Rice and beans is one thing. It's not. We don't eat them separate. It's rice and beans. Oh, you cool. say it together. Are rice you, and beans. Are you vegetarians? No, oh. we just come so from you'll Caribbean eat, backgrounds oh, cool. and eat a lot of rice and beans. Cool. Nice. <laughs> I have another question about all those fruits you were talking about on the program, like peaches and... Mm-hmm. The ones that you should not squeeze, but you should smell. Yeah. Where do all these myths come from with the fruits? It is true that a fruit that is ripe will be a little softer, and but there's no need to squeeze it because by you squeezing it, you're starting to bruise it. Mm. You are denting it. So you don't want to do that because even if it feels good then, you're going to take it home... And let's say you got 10 of them and you squeeze them all. Well, in five days where you squeezed it, it's going to start to rot a little bit and you're going to have brown spots there. The only way to know whether the fruit is going to be taste good and sweet is to smell it. It is the, and that's not every fruit. You notice when we talked about watermelon, I said you have to look for the yeah. belly spot. Mm-hmm. Watermelon doesn't have a smell outside of the rind. It's, it's not that kind of a rind. Cantaloupe should. Honeydew should. If a honeydew doesn't smell like a honeydew in the store, it's not going to taste like a honeydew at home. Pineapple is the same thing. Oh, when yeah, I pick up a pineapple, I put the bottom end right up to my nose and breathe it in. If it doesn't smell like a pineapple, I don't buy it because it's not going to taste very good. Another thing about the watermelon, I saw online another internet thing. <laughs> the internet wins again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was quickly debunked, but I just want to bring it up. Watermelon hand. <laughs> <laughs> Someone was saying that like the little um, dents on the watermelon would be for bees trying to get in. Dents in a watermelon? Like if you turn it over where the there's little like holes or something in the... And it looks like almost like a spider web um, that it makes almost as if while the watermelon was growing there was some sort of crack or it got punctured in some way mm. and then the watermelon healed yep, itself. Yep, that's scar tissue. Yeah, that's yeah. basically it's the scar tissue. But I don't, bees traditionally don't crawl into fruit. Now, wasps do. I mean, there's the fig and the wasp are symbiotic, and Mm -hmm. the fig wasp must go into the fig to lay its eggs and to mate. Um, But mostly bees go after flowers. They go after pollen, and they go after nectar. Now, sure, if you crack open a watermelon and just leave it out on your porch, bees might land on it and suck up some of that juice, but in general they're not going to be trying to tunnel their way into a watermelon. But if you see like a scar, it looks like a scar in the watermelon. It is a scar. It got damaged at some point and it healed itself. Okay. My wife and I were going to get a fig tree, I think at some point or something like that. I love figs. Yum, there's nothing like a good fig. Yeah, but now we've had wasps in our backyard before, so now I'm glad we didn't get them. Oh, it's a special kind of wasp. Okay. (laughs) We like to, I don't know what it is about our backyard, wasp, yellow jackets. Well, look around the eaves of your house for those papery-looking nests, and then you get the spray that reaches like 50 feet from where you are. I've taken out a few of them. (laughs) (laughs) And then you run inside. (laughs) Go go in, you know, full armor and spray and run away. (laughs) My final question has to do with microwaves. So I've heard that you can get radiation from microwaves and you shouldn't stand in front of them. You have to wear a tinfoil hat. (laughs) And I've also heard... (laughs) 
<laughs> I bet you can guess where I've heard this. Um, and I've also heard that the, the microwave zaps nutrients. Are these true? The microwave doesn't zap nutrients. The microwave zaps water molecules, and it makes them speed up and move faster. And that steam it creates cooks things faster. Things heat up because microwaves make water molecules move faster. Um, and what was the first part of that? I got the um, second part. Radiation from microwaves. No, they're built to not give you radiation. First of all, they... they you should get a new microwave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the radiation, the microwave radiation that they put out is very weak and it dissipates quickly. So there should be no leaking from the microwave. If your microwave is really old or if it's dented or if you know the door doesn't shut right, don't use it. But I... As much as I believe in conspiracies as the next guy, I do not believe <laughs> that after 50 years of us using microwaves, or 40 years of using the homes, and they're in every home, mm-hmm. that they are they are knowing that that they could like that we'd all have to wear the <laughs> tinfoil hats. <laughs> well, I have been staring at the microwave. While it's cooking, since I was a child, mm-hmm. well, I'm doing it anymore. And how Not you, when anyone. And how are your eyes? And, I mean, I wear glasses, but, <laughs> but I think you my brain is okay. Well, there you go. So I mean, I don't know. Have, have you? you <laughs> and well, see, but you didn't have an MRI before you started staring at it, so we don't have a <laughs> so baseline. So we don't have a baseline, exactly. <laughs> so we'll never know. Well, how old are your kids? You could start now. Get the baseline on them, yep. and then put them in front of the microwave for twenty. <laughs> My years. daughter's eight. I'll okay. just force her every time the microwave's on. Go look at the microwave, and, the, and then we'll have another MRI when she's twenty-eight. And we'll see. <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a funny story to end us on? I know you guys have told quite a few already. <laughs> I always forget. Just play you, the crickets right I, here. Yeah. <laughs> I always forget that you ask that. Um, yeah, what's the when this book came out as an audio book? It was and that's a, the. It says lobster scream when you boil them and a hundred other myths. It's the only book of ours because, like, how many cookbooks come out as audio books? Yeah. Mix mm-hmm. one teaspoon of salt. <laughs> with, and this does have a hundred recipes in it, but, or I don't know how many, maybe it's got 50 recipes in it. But the recipes are not part of the audio book, the, the narrative of the myths are. And it's it was very strange to listen to that. We in fact I don't think Mark and I have actually listened to the whole book. <laughs> we downloaded it and like listened to the first one and I'm like, who is that person? Because we don't know they hired some actor. And we're like, <laughs> it was so weird. It was really strange. He's like saying your words and saying what you think, and then there are references in here like to Mark's mother and it's like <laughs> no, that's not right. <laughs> Uh, that's like writing an autobiography and watching that, it on TV with other actors in it. Yeah. That, that's got to that, be awkward. That, yeah, that's... That's, that's got to be not good. Something isn't right little there. little Bojack Horseman there. <laughs> <laughs> so give us a little preview of the Sheet Cake book that's coming up. Oh, my goodness. It sounds delicious. There is a <laughs> chapter on cheesecakes. Now... Oh, please bring cheesecake and talk about the book. Cheese sheet cakes. <laughs> cheese sheet cakes. These things are, you know, Huge. the size of this table. There's sheet cakes. There's fruit pies. There's crumbles. There's danishes. There's meringue cakes. There's cream pies. Everything 18 by 13 inches. So if you're cooking for a party, you're going to need or to get this for yourself. You're baking for <laughs> or for yourself. <laughs> just put the sheet pan on the table and dig there in. You go. Grab a fork. There you go. And just do it. And until the book comes out, we are doing some 
um, exclusive recipes to our podcast, to Cooking with Bruce and Mark. So there are some sheet cake and slab pie recipes that we're cooking through every week. Oh, nice. Um, I know I put one up last week was an, a no-bake apricot cheesecake slab pie. Wow. Apricot cheesecake. Oh, that sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. I don't like chocolate, so anything like that is... Well, yeah, what, please what, bring what, some chocolate because I'll get to eat it all. What went up yeah. today <laughs> was banana bread in the waffle iron. Oh, I our, wish I had a waffle iron. For our kitchen shortcut book, which is coming out in a year and a half. Nice. <laughs> How many books in advance do you guys have? You have to. You have to work two years in advance because it takes us about a year to write a book and it takes a publisher about a year to get it out. So, so that must be weird to be so deep into something else and then have to go back to what you were doing. Well, sometimes you ago. forget, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like by the time... We're going QVC with the sheet cake slab pie book. I mean, I wouldn't. I have to be studying before that. <laughs> I'm probably going to be working on the third. Yeah, I have to go through. Mm-hmm. What did we make again? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's right. like when you see actors promoting movies. They yeah. shot those movies five years ago. And they don't, yep. They're like, what was that about again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll have to go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for being on the show well, again. We'll see you in me. September. Okay. That was Noda Cookbook author Bruce Weinstein helping us bust some more food myths. Find more about Bruce at bruceandmark.com. This has been Food Friday Leftovers. I'm Ashley Kinsey. And I'm Dave Hopper. Be sure to check out Vox Pop Food Friday every Friday at 2 p.m. on WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our producer is Jessica Blaustein Marshall. Our theme is Beach Disco by Dougie Wood. Food Friday Leftovers is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. And tune in next week to see what else we find in the fridge. 